A very good morning, church. It feels good. I mean, yesterday was a little bit empty, but today is like a full hall. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing. Well, Pastor Leonard has already introduced my wife, but I thought I can just acknowledge her by asking her to make a stand, and we can also welcome her too. Because without her, her support, I would not be standing here today. And we bring greetings to you as well from Cruise Singapore. As what Pastor Leonard mentioned, uh, this year I will be receiving my Long Service Award, 30 years with uh, Cruise Singapore in November. And how did I end up here today? Because of my connection with Pastor Isaac. I mean, he has been chasing me for a few times, but I'm like, I'm still wondering, why am I standing here today? But in any case, I mean, our connection uh, went all the way back many years while we were still in the U.S., and I was last year, I mean, I came visited uh, QBC, I mean, I, I love that abbreviation, QBC, four years back when Pastor Isaac was installed as the senior pastor of this church. So this is a familiar congregation, and the thing that impressed me most during then was the young adults. I'm sure Pastor Isaac have uh, invested in these people, and they were kind of poking fun on him. But it was really fun just to see young people in the church and makes it so much alive. And it's our privilege, not just with Pastor Isaac, but also Pastor Rebecca as we share our lives together. Uh, for those who do not know, I think all of you do not know, we live nearby. So we get to uh, hang out once in a while, but it's been a long while, so this is a hint. So we need to get together again. Well... So sorry, so sorry, my, my fault. Yesterday I turned it on before I came up, but today I forgot to turn it on. So this is my family. I think you have been introduced. Uh, I have uh, three adult kids by now. And the middle is actually Estella's sister. Um, Estella's sister. Estella's mother. <laughs> well, I, I, we would love for her to be a sister in Christ very soon. You can also be praying for us. I think this is our, our mission field as well, as we think of our family salvation. Our three kids, uh, two have just graduated this year and started their new job. And my youngest boy is uh, in NS. Youngest boy. Youngest is in NS. <clears throat> and we're all ready to wait. We are waiting for the day that we can be empty nesters. Uh, I, I see some people of my generation. I hope we are all looking forward to that. And the topic given to us, to me, is life on mission in the family. And what's my take on that? What's my take on that? Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. What's my take on that? Every home, a godly home. And of course, it starts with us, me. And I'm sure it's not difficult for you to realize the scope is big. It's beyond one person, beyond a family, beyond an organization. 
beyond a local church. It will take all of us coming together, a concerted effort by pulling our resources together. And it's not just about becoming a Christian or a Christian home, but rather a Christ-centered family, a Christ-centered home. And to address this topic, I've chosen the book of Joshua as our text today. And I think thanks to the worship team, I think you have uh, read through pretty much the key verses that I've been thinking about. And this is what I would like us to understand. Just a quick overview as a part of the intro, uh, the book of Joshua, I'm going to run through very fast. Um, well, in the beginning of the book of Joshua, we see, we read the death of Moses. And then Joshua was commissioned as the new leader to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Then subsequent chapters, chapter 2 onwards, to, all the way to chapter 23, we see the conquest of the promised land by the Israelites. That's when all those who were born in the wilderness, they get to experience God firsthand as they went through the conquest together with their new leader, Joshua. In the last chapter of the book, chapter 24, Joshua gathered the people again and he recounted their past experience and a reminder of what the Lord has done for them. And as we look at the, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, again quickly, just a Just a very quick summary as I look at the, the first 13 verses. If you look at verse 1, Joshua gathered the people. Where? At a very significant place, Sechem. And that's the place which is very historical and very significant. Uh, for those who do not know, go and find out. I mean, it's a very special place. And then from verse 20. From verse 2 to 3, uh, basically, it was the call of Abraham. The call of Abraham, and what was it like when you were with those people who were, we were worshipping all those other gods? And Abraham was asked to leave the father, the family over there, and move to a new place, to the land of Canaan. And from verse 4 to 7, the liberation from Egypt. And this is a reminder to the Israelites that there is a reason why you are being called. They have been asked, they have been brought up and uprooted and moved out of Egypt. And that's where the generation with Moses, they got to experience the miracle that was done before their eyes the parting of the Red Sea. And eventually, 8 to 13, that's where Moses, Joshua reminded the people, the conquest that you have made together with me. And it's very purposeful why Joshua did all that, because he wants to remind them, who are you worshipping? And that's our challenge, our topic today as we think about the very two simple points that I would like to bring for our consideration. 
what does it mean for us to even be looking to missions in the family? What does it mean to have every home a godly home? And believe it or not, this is the brief overview of the uh, book of Joshua. And let me read from the next verse. Good. Allow me to read that. So now, fear God. Worship Him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worship on the far side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt. You worship God. The one key word that I thought I would like to highlight to us is fear. Fear God. What does it mean to fear God? And Joshua has also issued the call. It's a call to allegiance. As much as we think about fear, what has it got to do with allegiance? Joshua's call to, to the Israelites for allegiance is basically asking them, who do you think your God is? Who do you think your God is? Fear God is a big topic, and that's not my uh, topic today. I'm not going to expound on that. But rather, we are also very sure that we are not talking about a terror of God's character, condemnation, but rather it's a reminder of who God really is. God is loving and just, and He's the one who has provided for the Israelites even as they went through the conquest of the land. Just a quick reminder, chapter 1, Moses died and the new commander has been appointed. Instead of about 11 days that they can get into the promised land, it took them 40 years in order for them to get into uh, the promised land. At that time, Caleb was about 40 years old. 40 years old when he was a spy. And by the time he entered the promised land, he was about 80 years old. That we know, but we do not know very for sure how old was uh, Joshua. Joshua was a contemporary peer, so probably he's about 70, 80 as well. And the majority of the generation right there, they have never experienced God, other than the wilderness, how the Lord has provided for them. Remember, God has condemned those who were in the censor 20 years and above that they will have to pass before the generation, the whole Israelites can enter the promised land. So eventually, those who entered the promised land are at least just maximum 60 years old, but majority 40 years and below. And I see there are the many, many uh, young people here that belong to this generation. All to say, this generation, they have not exactly experienced God, but yet they have experienced God in providing for them in the wilderness, but they have not experienced the joy and the victory of war. Can I say that? Experience the joy and victory of, of uh, war. It's never a good thing to be war, but yet 
I, I believe you know what I mean. The joy of seeing the Lord, the leader with them, and they conquered the land. And by the time in chapter 24, uh, Joshua gathered the people again, as I've told you, as I've recounted chapter 24 for all of us, understanding why Joshua was asking them to recount. Rethink, reimagine, not imagine. Look back what has happened the past many years. And Joshua is asking them, after all that you have experienced with God, eventually, do you really know God? We can be in church for our whole time, but do we really know God? And in the events detailed in this chapter 24, we see Joshua's desire for the nation. Why? Because he's about to die. Remember I said uh, we don't really know much details about how old Joshua was, but one thing for sure we know, and that's recorded for us, and that is uh, Joshua's age when he died. He died at the age of 110. And assuming early on I talked about um, by the time they entered the promised land, he was about 70, 80 years old. So depending on how you look at it, the Israelites will have the experience of uh, having Joshua as their leader for about 30, 40 years. Meaning to say, with these 30, 40 years of walking, experiencing the war, experiencing the conquering, the occupying of the land, the new generation, even if they have not really known God earlier on, they would have seen many more things in that 30 to 40 years. You know what? To Joshua, his, uh, his calling is not just to conquer the land. I mean, when we think about conquering the land, we think about conquering the unreached, the enemies. But really, he's to bring his people who are the rich, the people who already know, quote-unquote, God, and he's supposed to bring the Israelites to occupy the promised land, to enjoy the blessings of God in this new land. That was Joshua's calling. He's not just conquering the land, but he wants the people to experience who God really is. So in chapter 24, even as we see how Joshua is asking the people to consider he really speaks out, he spoke of his heart. Have you really experienced God? Because eventually, there's a call to commitment from there. Unfortunately, the church today, we are facing many different challenges. The Christian marriages are failing. Are we helping our young people to prepare marriage for a lifetime. I think our church is doing much better today. But I also want to say that there are also many couples that are suffering quietly. Because, I mean, we are not talking about tahaning in our marriage. We are talking about experiencing the oneness that God has intended for all of us. So as we think about the Christian marriages are failing, are we not experiencing God, what He has intended for us. 
and then we are also losing our young children to the popular prevailing culture. Our Christian youths are also falling away. Are we caring enough for them that they know they do not need to prove their worth? And if, even if they have different ideas, will they be able to share with us, our parents, our community? I love what Pastor Leonard said at the beginning. Welcome home. This is a home. Even as a family, how do we care for one another? Are we suffering quietly? Be it those who are married, with kids, without kids, be it those who are younger, who are yet to marry. Well, allow me to just share quickly our personal parenting journey. I'd like to say even as we think about experiencing God, it all starts with us, right? And I think one of the things that may hurt us the most is finances. So what does it mean when we give? We, we want to talk about, oh, how our children are spending. But then, again, look back. Ultimately, it will still point back to us. How are we spending? How are we giving to the Lord's work? So I, we kind of uh, mentioned early on, our two kids have started work, and they have, uh, yeah, they graduated, they started work. And before they started work, we kind of asked them, I mean, they have seen how we have uh, given to different things, uh, the works of God. I mean, our challenge to them is how do they, what will they do with their first paycheck? Uh, will the parents be thinking, oh, maybe the first paycheck to come to us? <laughs> I mean, our challenge to them is for them to consider what are they going to do with their first paycheck. Besides your tithing to church, how are you planning to spend your salary? So that was our question to them. So we are basically looking for opportunities with, together with them, what they can give to God's work. So it was just fun to uh, engage them in their different ideas. So our oldest, our, our boy, asked, can I give to Uncle Tawing and Auntie Liancy, who's who are serving in uh, Cambodia? And then my girl chime in and say, Oh, how about I, uh, there's this guy that I know uh, that is starting ministry in, where? In Taiwan. He's American, but then he's, he was raising support to do a two years intern in Taiwan. So can I give to him? So all in all, I think we are just trying to help them consider this one aspect of giving. But as I've said early on, it starts with us. As parents, what do we do? And it's, I think it's kind of easy. Uh, Earlier on, I say it pains us, right? But yet, on the other hand, it's also easy to give uh, to missions because we are affluent in many ways. So we are not just stopping at that. We are hoping now that they have uh, started to give financially to different works of God, we want, them, we want to challenge them to become the hands and the feet for missions. We want, our next step is really to see how we can involve them in missions. You have uh, heard from Pastor Leonard, we spend 
15 years overseas. So our kids growing up years were in 10 of those years were in Japan, and then five years were in the US. So they have uh, served together with us in different capacity, and it was fun. Uh, and I'm sure COVID has kind of, uh, kind of short-circuit, or rather disrupted our overseas missions experience. And I think as a church, we need to regain that. And Singapore is a privileged nation. We have many opportunities. I think I hear of uh, what the local community outreach. Of course, there's a mission right here in Singapore. But there's also nothing beats the experience when you go overseas, getting your hands wet, getting your feet wet. And that's what uh, really we think about the Israelites when they were conquering the land together with uh, Joshua. It is then they see how God ministered to them. Well, we also have uh, organizations like us, through Singapore, that we have uh, the hashtag Go, that we have uh, a desire to see how we can mobilize people to go. And then recently, the Love Antioch. I'm not sure you, the Love Singapore at the Antioch project. I'm not sure how many of you are involved. That's another concerted effort as the Church of Singapore moving overseas. I'm not just talking about the adults going overseas, but I'm actually thinking more of how, as a family, we can be going, going overseas together, serving together. There are different kinds of projects. It can be as near as just crossing the causeway to JB. There's a refugee camp over there, and we can serve among the refugees. And if those people who need a little bit more exotic, uh, you want mission trip, come vacation, Mongolia etc. There will be all different kinds of uh, challenges for us. But maybe you will also be saying, oh, Patrick, you must be so naive, right? Uh, for young adults going through first few years of uh, work, do you think they can get leave easily? I'm not naive, I know. I mean, there will be many different challenges, but we also heard, we have heard many other testimonies, remembering how Suddenly, your leave is approved, even though you are still a very young staff in the company. And then maybe the younger parents may be thinking, hey, you know my children are going through PSLE, GCEO level. There will be all kinds of challenges. So all that I'm saying is, are we willing to consider what it means and trust God to open doors for us? Just like Joshua, we need to claim our promised land. He has led his people into war and through it, they will experience God. And God will surely meet his people in their joy and hardship. And that will be a true exercising of true faith in action. Let's move on to our next uh, point. Let me read from verse 15. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God that you would rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you are now living. As for me and my family, we will worship God. If you read this verse, it's not difficult for you to realize uh, the words that are repeated twice at least and that is the word choose. 
So earlier on, Joshua has given a call to allegiance. And now, it's a, it's a recognition that there's a choice to make. So obviously, there are choices out there, and you have to make a decision. When you, have, you are presented with a choice, you have to make a decision. For students, which school to go, which course to take, which CCA to do, what to do. And for young adults looking for a life partner, who do they? And maybe some of us are into what kind of uh, dating app to use, right? Uh, we do marriage mentoring, so we, we have seen many, many of these uh, examples. And for the young couple that's getting married, marriage proposal, BTO, which one to opt for, or before that, the wedding date, venue, who to invite. Many, many different choices. And many, maybe some of uh, the older ones here at the age of uh, thinking of when to retire, or maybe you're already retired. Um, what do you do with the time that you have? You get what I mean? In life, there are many choices, and we are constantly bombarded with choices that we need to make decisions. And I'm sure in retrospect, many of us would have made decisions that we are happy about, but also decisions that we have regretted. Earlier on, I kind of uh, mentioned some of the challenges that even we as a community face, and that's about marriage and family. And I'd like to also add on by saying these are two areas that we, I think is kind of facing our church today, and that is balancing family and career for many of us right here. What does it mean? We are torn. A mother who is taking maternity leave and after that went back to work. The sense of guilt, etc. I mean, we, we know what it means to think about the deep, the challenges and the difficulty of balancing family and career. What about parents who are thinking about, oh, and wanting to ensure that our children receive a quality education? Our Singapore system, as much as uh, it has served us well, has also been a disservice to us in terms of our family life. It has created a lot of pressure on parents, maybe unwanted, unneeded, unnecessary, of how to earn more money to meet the rising cost of education. So we have been presented many with many different choices, and not all choices are pleasing to the Lord. So how do I go about making wise and godly decisions? We have to depend on the wisdom given to us through the Holy Spirit. And if you're unsure whether you are discerning correctly or not, look to the faith community that you have. He has provided you. Look to your pastor. Look to your parents. Look to your mentor. They can also be encouraging you. All I have to say is, as we think about Joshua's reminder, we have a choice to make. And Joshua's challenge to the Israelites, a choice to make, is not a small matter. It's an even bigger challenge. Not about who are you marrying, but rather who is the God 
that you are worshipping. I come to the point where we think about our response. There's a call to allegiance. How do we align ourselves to the God we know? There's a choice to make. Joshua issued the challenge in verse 15. Who are you serving? And may I add on? By reading verse 23 for us, it says, Now get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you. Say an unqualified yes to God, the God of Israel. Do you notice right there? All the foreign gods you have with you. You want to believe that the Israelites were wholehearted, trusting Yahweh. But that's not the case. Even Joshua knew there are the foreign gods among them. And he's asking them, what are you doing about them? I firmly believe if Christian marriages can be strengthened, families can be raised to be a formidable army for the extension of his kingdom. Family is the greatest untapped resource for bringing good to the world. How can we raise up families that can be a resource out to the world? While family life, we exist to help family grow together and impact their corner of the world. And our vision is really to see every home a godly home. And how can we do that? We are not just talking about making Christians, but rather disciples who are, who are truly Christ-centered, spirit-led, and missions-minded as followers of Jesus if we really want to see how we can see every home a godly home, may I suggest that there are these four pillars. May I suggest that there are these four pillars of family reformation. And all this begins with me. As we think about the personal repentance and purity, that's individual. The sacred covenant of marriage is no way out. I mean, I know there's a popular belief, even within the church, that if it doesn't work out, we can leave the marriage. Is that what God has intended for us? And the sanctity of God-ordained roles. What's the role of husband and wife? What does it mean for a husband to love and to lead? For the wife to submit and respect? And finally, Pillar number four, a legacy of spiritual vitality for the next generation. As you look at these four, what are we supposed to repent on? This is not supposed to be progressive. It doesn't mean that you, you have to work on number one, you can work on number three. But the point right here, I hope we can get it, is that ultimately it falls on us as an individual. So what does it mean for us as we think about family reformation, as we think about missions in the family? What about seeing every home a godly home? It all begins with us. And what do we do? How do we start? Let me just uh, wrap up with a, a simple illustration that I, I had recently. One, two weeks ago, uh, Estella and I, we had a couple to our home for dinner. And that day, we, Estella and I, we had uh, different schedules leading to the dinner appointment. As such, we decided on the dinner menu and I went marketing alone. Yes, the husband went marketing alone. So one of the things I bought 
was sea prawns. Unfortunately, it was not packed properly and it leaked and stained my car trunk carpet. I didn't think much about it uh, and I quickly took some, uh, not tissue paper, but those papers trying to dab, dab, dab and clean it and threw it away. Just two, three hours later, I went back to the car. The smell was awful. That was hard. And well, I, I knew of uh, Febris, right? So I, I quickly went home, took the Febris, spray on it. Too bad, it didn't help. We had to bear with that smell for the whole day. Uh, it, it wasn't pleasant. And imagine when we went to uh, fetch our youngest boy back from the airport. He was back from uh, Thailand, the exercise. And the car was smelling so awful. No time, but early next morning, quickly, I took a pail of water and mixed with some detergent. And I don't just try to wipe again. I make sure I scrub my carpet. I clean it. And what did I do? I left it to dry for a little bit, and then I spray the fabrics. And I didn't stop there. I left my car trunk open, the door open. Left there open for the whole morning. Uh, I, I live in a HDB, so I have to constantly look out whether anybody is coming close to my car, you know. Um, why am I sharing this? The learning point is here, that if we notice that there's something wrong in our lives, we need to do something about it. And it's not just about cleaning. It. it may involve a little bit more hard work, scrubbing, letting it to dry, and letting it to for a period of time. So you have to bear with it. So my question for us, what does it take for us to have that? One thing that we want to be working on, the one little idol in your life that you want to remove, and by God's help, we want to say that uh, it can be done. Remember the four pillars of our family reformation? It all starts with us. I don't want to leave you uh, lingering on the thoughts. Just in case you're wondering what happens to my car, I had uh, Pastor Leonard last night to confirm. My car smells great now. So if you want, you can come to uh, join me later on to smell my car, you know. I think that's the effort that you need to make. We can, now we can enjoy the good-smelling car because of the effort that we can make. And we trust that uh, we will also be doing our part as we think about what it means to see every home a godly home. And that home starts with us. And I'd like us to take a moment uh, to consider what is that one thing in your life right now that is hindering you from making that decision to follow Christ. You don't have to suffer quietly. Look for your pastor. Look for your parents. Look for your mentor. And as you take that one or two minutes, and then later on, I'll invite the worship team to come forward to lead us with a worship uh, response song. Thank you. <laughs>